Welcome to the MSEC podcast, the official podcast of the Military Child Education Coalition. My name is Jasmine Lugan, and I'm today's host. And I'm Susan Sellers, and I'll be co-hosting. Joining us today is Hannah, a mill kid that shares how her experiences led her to create a capstone paper on third culture kids. Jasmine, I'm going to turn it over to you. So you were struggling with the identity, um, mm-hmm. like when transitioning out of the military community. Um, can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, definitely. So I think the timing of it too um, also played a huge role. So it was about 2019 when my dad retired. I was entering into my senior year of college, and that's kind of a really big season of life. Like you're getting ready to be fully independent for the first time. I had a little less than a year left. I graduated early too, so there were some dynamics that were in play. So I had about six months from the point of my dad's retirement to my graduation that I felt like I had to figure out my life and I had all of these open-ended questions and um, part of college and just being a regular 20, 21 year old is that identity. Like what, what do I want to do with my life? Who am I? Um, and up until that point, so much of it revolved around being a military kid. Um, it obviously was like very dear to my heart. I mean, I, I chose to do this research project on it because it was such a core part of my identity. Um, but I'll never forget I I had joked with my friends, like, the day I lose my military ID is going to wreck me. Like, I just, I, we laughed about it, but the day came and I was a mess. Like, I cried. It was so, it was weird. It was just really impactful. Um, and so I, I can look back on the and laugh now because I'll have another military ID for beauty's bottom, but it's fine. But, um, yeah, it was a interesting transition because there's not really a world for military kids once your parent retires. It's kind of like this forced separation um, between you and the community that in theory you've had your entire upbringing right um so that was it was just pretty shocking it felt like a really jolting experience for me that I didn't really have anybody to guide me through if that makes sense like I had no older military kids that could speak into that and say you know it's okay like here's other ways you know that your identity can be shaped but I kind of felt like I was figuring it out on my own um especially too given the fact I was one of maybe four or five kids in my entire college campus that was a military brat. So um, that identity in and of itself was like really, really a minority. So yeah, by the time senior year rolled around, I tried to pretend I knew what I was doing. But the on the inside, I was terrified of having this huge special piece of my my life, my identity kind of being taken away from me and not in my timing. Yeah. Wow, that's that sounds very difficult to deal with. Yeah. yeah. Lots of tears. I'm I'm not that age yet, so totally. No, I'm like not trying to like scare you either. Like it's okay. And so you were born into like the military um lifestyle? Yeah, totally. So um my dad was army for the full 30 years. He was in the service. So yeah, born in Monterey, California. I can totally give you my list because I think we moved about nine times. Yeah. By the time I graduated high school. So then college was about the 10th place, but it was all I knew growing up. And, you know, like I said, my dad's retirement kind of coincided with my college graduation. So those were definitely pivotal closing chapters in both of our lives. So like with your high school um, experience, because I know high school is like really big, like before you go to college and stuff like that. So did you have to switch multiple high schools or did you just stay at one high school? 
Great question. Yeah. So I went to two high schools. Um, I was at Columbus High School in Georgia for freshman and sophomore year. And then we moved to New York right after that. So I was there for my junior and senior year. There was some just confusion as there always seems to be with the military. So we were supposed to be in New York for one year and I was expecting to move before my senior year, which was really difficult to process too. But the timing of it could not have been better and worse. It was about two weeks before the first day of school and the military was like, nope, you're going to stay another year. So I ended up staying for my senior year, which was really, it was really great. I was kind of dreading having to move right after my junior year. Um, so yeah, I, I'm one of the few that only had to move like two times instead of three or four even. So I count myself lucky. <laughs> yeah, that's so great. Um, and in college, you uh, got degrees in English and communication. So why specifically did you choose to like major in that? That's a great question. Oh man, now I'm like, it's like a throwback. Okay. English was my first major. I went in as a freshman declaring English. I have just always loved reading, writing, um, any form of storytelling really. And as a military kid, I think that was really just formational for me growing up. Um, it was a way that I could express myself. I love creative writing. I loved anything that had to do with that um, throughout middle school, high school. So English was kind of a no-brainer for me. I knew I wanted to go into that. I didn't have any, you know, specific career paths post-college, but I was just trusting that I was going to figure it out. And then uh, sophomore year, I added the communication double major. So um, I just think it paired really nicely with the English major. It kind of provided some additional facets of just multimedia, you know, writing, marketing that complemented my English major really nicely. And I really enjoyed both. I mean, it was cool to kind of go along and um, the, the rest of the three years with both of them um, in tangent, they worked really well with one another. So I feel like I got to explore storytelling, not only with writing, but with videos and podcasts and um, all of these different forms of communication that were really cool. Um, but yeah, and then communication surprised me. I loved it was my junior year class called communication theory. So that kind of was the birth of the interest for this research paper that you read for the capstone. So love anything with theory. I think it's really cool. After you, uh, you use the word surrendered, like your military ID, um, you wanted to stay in like the military community. So you joined the NMFA team. Yeah, totally. So can you tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, sure. So man, it was um, quite the journey. I mean, again, this all kind of happened around the 2020, 2021 timeframe. So I know life was out of control for nearly anybody. So some more background in that period of time. I graduated in 2020, got married at the end of that year, then moved to Germany like two weeks after we got married. And it was like giant shock for me, right? Like we were in lockdown. Europe has a super strict lockdown policy. So it was a definitely the hardest move I've ever done, <laughs> even with all of the military moves. So at that time, I had a different position with another organization. And I just really felt disconnected from everything I'd known before. I was, we're not military overseas. So my husband is a non-federal entity, meaning he's, you know, not contractor, not um, government or military. He works separately, kind of like the USO, but he doesn't work for the USO. So anyways, we're connected to the military, but with limits. And that was really hard to feel one foot in, one foot out of this military community here. Um, so I was just I was just hungry for a new position that would kind of get me back into that. Um, I knew I had a passion for 
military students, military teens through my capstone research project. So I reached out to NMFA, I think February, 2021, um, and then came on board by June. So that was, that was kind of a missing piece in my search for identity and purpose that I didn't know I needed. Like, I'm so glad that I reached out to them because it's truly the most fulfilling work to, to give back to the community that raised me. It's been huge. So do you feel like there was anything you could have done to prepare yourself for that transition out of the military? Or I should say out of the military community and looking yeah. back? Yeah, um, that's such a good question. I think in hindsight, I think I did the most with what I could. I was really fortunate that I had the chance to even reflect and research, you know, components of the military lifestyle with my research project um, on the English major side of things. Basically, every final paper that I had to write was related to the military somehow. So I was really compelled to just reflect and think deeply about my experience, which I'm not sure everybody, that's not their natural tendency is to go into like <laughs> writing mode. So totally right. that. but I really wish I would have had just a mentor. I mean, I had military peers who were my age, whose dads were also retiring, but no one who was on the other side of the fence. So that had already gone through it. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And I, I wish there was just more communication or some kind of, you know, like post-grad community for those who are trying to find their identity still as a military kid, you know? So there were some people I had heard of who were in their thirties and former military kids, but that was too distant for me to really connect with that. But yeah, just something, someone to walk me through, like how I could still, you know, stay connected. Like what other ways could I still claim those pieces of my identity? And I joke about it. I'm not like a really impulsive, rebellious person, but the day I um, finished my capstone project, I got a dandelion tattoo because it just oh, felt really right. Yeah, so exactly. I got, right. I got this. Yeah. The day I turned in my paper and each seed is a place I lived growing up. And even though it's a tattoo. That is so creative. It was the only reason my mom let me get it. She was like, okay, like this is fine. Um, but in a weird way, it was really symbolic and meaningful and kind of brought some closure of like, like obviously it's just a tattoo, but it brought a lot of meaning to like know that this is part of my identity and it's also a part of my just expression with this with this art on my arm. So, um, and I get so many questions about it. Like it's it sparked questions about like, what does it mean at the gym, at the grocery store? Um, so I get to then share about that with other people. And then sometimes people are like, I have one too, like on their back or their arms. So that's been really cool. Yeah. Not that you have to get a tattoo, but like <laughs> that helped. <laughs> but no, I mean, that's certainly something that you recognize in a creative way to stay connected mm -hmm. with the military culture that you grew up in. And it's obvious that the military culture and this transition impacted your job. Right. You know, it partially was what you majored in, but then also what you decided in terms of still serving and staying connected. So right. I think I think that's awesome. So, so do you still consider yourself a military kid? Oh, totally. And I even okay. like use the kid part. I don't know how long I have until that like expires, but so yeah, it's a really unique position that my husband and I are here in overseas. So I think I mentioned, yeah, I work at the high school as a substitute teacher. So to have that level of relatability and empathy, um, I'll just use it even when trying to get to know kids. Like, hey, I'm a military kid too. I've even been in Dodea before. Like, 
I totally get it. That's helped a ton to build connections that I don't, not that they wouldn't have trusted me or come to me, but it's just added an additional level of intimacy in our friendship um, with some of those students. So that's been really cool. And my husband actually works a non-federal entity that he's a part of is called Club Beyond. Sure. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. we totally know Club Beyond. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So yeah, he will have to talk more because I know it's at Fort Bragg, but anyways, so yeah. So my husband is the community director for Club Beyond here in Wiesbaden. Um, he's been here for the past three years. So his job is essentially to connect with other military kids that are in middle and high school. And just some more context too. My husband is also a military kid and it was just like inevitable. We met actually at Messiah while I was doing research about military kids and I was like trying to find participants and he was like one of two people and I was like, please help me. Um, and then yeah, the rest is history, but he's a Navy brat. Um, so yeah, anyways, my husband and I both, I think bring a really unique position to the table of both coming from military backgrounds. And I serve alongside him with Club Beyond as like the super volunteer. So we, you know, get to hang out with military kids every week and tell them that we get it. We've been in their shoes before. So that definitely helps me feel connected still. And I just am so thankful that that is, it's a lifeline really to feel like I'm still a part of the military community in that way. Wow. Oh, I think that's fantastic. Jasmine, do you have anything else? Um, yeah. So for you, um, have you always gone to school on base or have you gone to school off base? Was that like a change for you if you have? Totally. So I kind of hopped around um, depending on where we lived. So yeah, I'm trying to think like pretty much for all of elementary school, I was on a non-post school. Um, we lived in Korea when I was in third and fourth grade. So that was a Dodia school there. Fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade. So like most of middle school, I was actually off post. Um, we were in Rhode Island and my dad was at the Naval Academy. So that was a unique experience for sure, because not only had I just moved from Korea, but I was also adjusting to a which is like a really homogeneous community where everybody had gone to school together. Everybody knew each other since kindergarten it was a little bit more difficult for me to find community there, but it, it took time. You know, I was there for three years, so that definitely helped. From there, we moved to Georgia. I was in a, a Dodds middle school there, and then I went to an off-post high school, but I think it totally depends on, like, where geographically you're stationed to, because the off-post high school had, like, 30% military kids, because that's where everybody went, so I didn't really feel like I was a minority, you know, percentage there, but my last two years of school, junior and senior year at my high school, um, we lived in New York. We were about 30 miles south of Manhattan, and we weren't even remotely close to like a military community because my dad was doing work with the UN. It was a totally new position for him professionally, but also for us personally. People had no idea what to do with us as like military people. Like I remember um, taking driver's ed, but like you sit in the back of the car, the other person's driving, and then you have one other person that you just talk to while the other kid's practicing. And he just straight up asked me, he was like, so does your dad like own a tank? And I just like laughed. But then I was like, oh, he's serious. Like he actually is asking me this. And I really wanted to say yes, but I was like, no, he does not, like, he does not own a tank. <laughs> and just like, Really, I mean, it was curiosity that drove it, but I think there was some like fear too. Like, what does that mean that your dad's in the military? Like, I don't even know what context for that. So that was interesting. That was probably, you know, those last two years of high school were the hardest to find a friend group to fit in. It just was like a really hard time. But again, because we stayed the additional year, I think that helped to just get me some good friendships. So yeah, and then there was college and that's, a totally different thing because I was like one of five but yeah 
Yeah, and so you said that the military is like the military community is kind of your safe place. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, do you feel as though when you're out of the military community or when you're not like particular in that area, do you feel unsafe or do you just feel more comfort when mm. you are with those people? That's such a good question. Um. It depends. I I think it depends on like the cultural context too. So for example, living over here in Germany, like my husband and I live off post. So I think there's an expectation that people not understand who we are, or where we're coming from, you know, like we live in the German economy downtown. So no one really knows what it's like to be a military kid. So I don't know, if, I don't know if the language would be unsafe, but I think there's always a risk of being misunderstood. And that, I mean, just for my own personality and like upbringing, I have always desired to feel understood. I think that's kind of driven, you know, my search for identity. So yeah, going back to those schools in middle school or in high school, when I went to non-military schools off post, also in the Northeast. So that's like a kind of cultural, you know, geographical context too. I felt really misunderstood at first. So I kind of had to work to rebuild that, but it never, it never felt unsafe, if that makes sense, but just maybe misunderstood. Yeah, that's, I, I can definitely relate to that because when I came, um, I've lived overseas for almost seven years. Wow. Oh my gosh, where were you? Um, I was in England and Japan. Wow, nice. Okay, so cool. The last time I was in the States was when I was eight years old. And last year was my first time ever coming back. Mm-hmm. And it was a really big culture shock to me. And it was right. really, really difficult coming to a school that wasn't a dog school because right. I, I was like kind of grown up in. And when I wasn't overseas before then, I was in um, Oceanside, California. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Yeah. It was completely different because I was surrounded by family. And when I'm overseas, I'm not surrounded by that. And yeah. here in Texas, I don't have the type of support. I just have my close family. Yeah. So. Totally. Yeah. And that's, I mean, my husband's sister has a very similar experience where like, I think by the time she graduated high school, she had lived overseas for more of her life than in the States. And that's such a huge, just difference to like adjust to. Yeah. That's, that's a lot. So you're in Texas now. Is that right? Yes. I'm on the outskirts of San Antonio. Nice. Nice. Yeah. That's hard when you're either far from family or that's the only thing you have. I totally get that. Well, that's probably where the concept of third culture hits, why I think that resonates so much with you, Hannah, and and Mm -hmm. you, Jasmine, as well. Is it because of your experience living overseas, Hannah, that you decided, like, what pushed you to kind of focus on that for your capstone? Yeah. Um, I mean, honestly, I hadn't even heard of the phrase until, like, it was my senior year of college. And I don't think I would have been introduced to it had my professor... And he was a missionary kid. So he kind of, you know, piqued that interest because he could really relate to a lot of the things I would share with him or in class. And I just had these really unique desires for my research that like no other student had because I just didn't have that upbringing. And so he understood it though. So he was the one that told me about like, did you know there's a name for this? And I was like, what do you mean? Um, And he described like the essence of the third culture kid and it was just spot on. And so, yeah, that kind of prompted me, like you said, to reflect on like, so which places do I really feel like that that fell into place for sure in Korea? I mean, it was very much like a tangible in one world, but not of it. And like, it's just so you're living on a post in the middle of a giant city. Like that's not your home, Um, but it's a little American base. So anyways, that was for sure like textbook third culture kid. But even I think 
I could trace it back to like pretty much every duty station we'd been. And it's not that I had a strong sense of the home culture. I think my home culture was my family. Like that was kind of it. But everywhere my family moved, we were being displaced somewhere that was like not what I had been used to from the previous station. Um, so even in New York, I kind of felt like it was, I was in between two worlds of like, here's all of my past experiences and all of these things that I've carried with me. But here I am in like a super tiny, small town. Like it was just so different from anything I'd ever experienced. So it kind of does feel like you're one foot in, one foot out for sure. Yeah. So that just, it, it helped to validate, I think the experiences that I had, but I don't, as ironic as this may be, like, I don't really throw the word out, you know, a ton. Like I don't say to people, I'm a third culture kid. Like I'll lead with military kid. And then, you know, sometimes if they ask or they seem interested and have similar experiences, I'll kind of, you know, put that out there. Like, have you heard of third culture kids? Like, it's actually a really big thing. And sometimes they relate, sometimes they don't, but yeah, I, I identify more with the military kid and then third culture kid has just been helpful language to kind of like support that experience. Absolutely. I think it kind of gives an example or sort of defines what that lifestyle was like. Once you start explaining it, then people maybe can sort of connect with that a little bit more since maybe they don't have that background with the military. Right. I'm curious because my husband's getting ready to retire. Yeah. And so, you know, my kids have grown up in the military. What advice would you share with, say, kids that, you know, like my kids that are getting ready to go through that process of leaving the military or maybe mm -hmm. even kids, you know, other kids that whose parents are getting ready to retire? Like, what would you recommend? Oh, yeah. Wow. That's such a powerful question. Um, I mean, I think the first thing that comes to mind is just like your experiences have meaning. Like it is unique. I think we know that a lot. Like we we get that other kids haven't had the same background and upbringing as we have, but it's full of meaning and it's good. Like it will carry you so many places in life that, I mean, honestly, I don't know if I'd be here if I didn't have a military kid background. So um, yeah, your experiences have meaning. They matter. They're not... They're not strange um, and different, like they're needed in this world. But also, I mean, kind of just to tie in what I mentioned earlier, like I reflected and researched a lot, but I kind of wish I had done a little bit more with my family, like as a family processing, what does this look like? Um, you know, like talking with my parents about what it feels like, because there wasn't a ton of dialogue for that either, just because it's such a heavy process. Like my dad was going through all the retirement things. So yeah, just like family conversation about what that looks like and like how you're each feeling about it. Some people are really ready to leave the military kid label behind and others like me really struggle with it. Um, so conversation with it and maybe just spending some time reflecting on it. I haven't done it in the context of like, I'm my dad's retiring and I'm like leaving the military heritage, but for some other military kids that we've worked with, with NMFA, we'll encourage activities, like just kind of take a neighborhood tour, like go through each house you've lived in and like write down some of your favorite memories about it. And even that act of just remembering the scope of your experiences, you know, for a lot of us, it's from birth till high school. Like that's a huge chunk of time. Um, just kind of writing down some of your favorite memories. You can record what was hard, but having something that's tangible that you are writing down and reflecting on about your experience, I think is really helpful. Even if you don't do anything with it, like it doesn't have to be shown to anyone. It can just be for you. So yeah, I think just something like that, I probably still need to do for myself. I don't think I'm done processing that. So yeah. Well, I think that's great advice. Jasmine, did you have any other follow-up questions? I did. 
are you grateful for like the experiences? You sound very like passionate about like sharing your story. Um, mm. Is there anything particular that you want military kids to know or anything you want to share? Yeah. I mean, thank you for <laughs> noting that. I think sometimes it's hard to be grateful. I sound grateful today, but it's definitely not a peachy, rosy picture. I mean, as much as I can reflect on and be grateful for the really rich experiences I've had, I mean, there's just as many negative experiences and hardships that have shaped my identity and like who I am and where I am today. A lot of it um, surfaced when I married another military kid and we were kind of like, oh my gosh, like there's so much unresolved little t trauma that we have not talked about. Something that I found in my research for my senior project was just military kids, third culture kids tend to struggle a lot with loss and not knowing how to name it. And I never saw moving as a loss because it was always pitched as this really exciting adventure. I saw it that way. But, you know, by the time my dad retired, I could look back and say, like, I had to grieve that. Like, I didn't really know how to leave one place fully and do that well to enter a new place. I was just so focused on going to the next thing. Um, so we have revisited in our marriage and just like, I mean, truthfully, counseling, counseling has been huge and helping us just uncover these, these layers of military kid life that have, that have grown us, but also harmed us in some ways. Um, so it's a double-edged sword for sure. But yeah, looking back, learning how to deal with loss, learning how to grieve transition, that's been huge. So obviously like naming and being grateful for your experiences is so big, but I think it would be a shame to discount and not name the things that hurt too. Like, I think it's okay to say like, this is hard or I didn't like this. Like you don't have to like every aspect about being a military kid to be a military kid. Um, I don't think anybody would say it's perfect in any sense. So yeah, I think just a final word on that would just be to embrace all of what being a military kid is the good, the bad, the ugly, the beautiful, like, it's so messy, but that's the beauty of it. Like it can be both. And you don't have to even have that label into the rest of your adulthood. Like you can choose whether you want to embrace it, how much of it you want to bring into your future life, like totally up to you. So yeah, that's what I would say. That's so cool for you to be really open about your experiences and stuff, because some people want to hide that they're new or I know some people that move to a new place or just um, completely like want to take away the fact that they're moving to a new place because right. it's scary. Um, for me, it was a bit scary, but for you, um, looking back at it, you see it as a positive thing. Yeah. And I will say, because I think that that positivity has come with time <laughs> um, in the moment, yeah. like, I feel with you and for you, like the process is not necessarily positive all all the time um for sure and I should have mentioned this too I mean I don't I don't blame my military upbringing for it but I think just a reality and a part of it is like I was diagnosed with anxiety in middle school like that's not fun to talk about um but that's something that I think multiple transitions multiple deployments that just was more of a possibility for me as a military kid to struggle with um something I still struggle with but that has also colored my story um, of learning how to cope and deal with stress and anxiety from about sixth grade through, I mean, literally now still. But yes, I I hope I never make it seem like I have it all together because <laughs> I do not by any means. But yeah, I think there's some really real things that military could struggle with that go unnamed often, but talking about it is all that more important.
Definitely. I get anxiety part. <laughs> I struggle yeah. with a lot of anxiety and um, I actually, um, I'm going through a process of overcoming that challenge mm-hmm. and uh, making it a milestone I want to defeat. And I really want to, um, in my future, see like how the military lifestyle is something that I want to embrace. Mm. And I also, in the past, have struggled with depression. And mm. it's been mm-hmm. difficult with moving so many times and coming to the U.S. and it being a culture shock for me. Yes. Because, and it's just overwhelming. And it's something that you can't just fully uh, like <laughs> take over in one day or a moving day like right you just can't do that no totally and I mean thank you for being vulnerable about that I mean you are not the only military kid or teenager who has struggled with that and um it's so real I mean it I I totally get it I yeah with my own personal struggles with anxiety and um just to be even more transparent I think it it unfolds you know as you go throughout the rest of your life, throughout high school, throughout college. And at the time that I was writing this research paper, like, you know, this huge project that I'm really proud of that I think brought a lot of good and healing to me. I was also struggling with an eating disorder that I would have never even anticipated, but it was at the same time that my dad was retiring. And I don't think that that's by coincidence. I think I was looking for a lot of control in my life and ways that were not healthy for me. And like, obviously now, like I can look back and say that that was not a healthy way to cope with that. But yeah, I think it can manifest in so many different things and just being willing to, you know, raise your hand and say like, I've struggled with this and I don't blame my military background, but I do recognize it plays a part in it. But yeah, there's so much hope on the other end, like truly. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, no, yeah, thank you for sharing. I like want to interview you now. <laughs> You're awesome, dude. I love what you shared because that sort of validates, I think, what Jasmine's experienced, what other military kids have experienced. And it's really nice to mm-hmm. kind of see, like I'm almost seeing like the current military kid a former military kid and how mm-hmm. you're helping each other mm-hmm. to grow and learn you know it's just wow. I just think it's really impactful so yeah, um, thank you for that yeah yeah no absolutely Hannah I want to thank you so much for coming on the show today Jasmine and I truly appreciate it and for our listeners we're going to include in the show's notes not only a link to Hannah's capstone paper but also some more information about third culture kids You've been listening to the MSEC Podcast, the official podcast of the Military Child Education Coalition. Until next time, live a great story.